what do you think contributes to the change in direction of music? Um, fearless artists. And what I mean by that is like every, every turn in music is somebody that really was like, man, I ain't scared to do this. I'm going to do it and change. Give me you know, an example. Okay, I, I'll start way back. So you had uh, Missy Elliott, mm-hmm. right? Missy Elliott was one of them people that would get turned away because they didn't want her in a video because she didn't, they didn't think her looks were right. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, all this jazz they was trying to put on her. She was super talented. Mm-hmm. Her and Timberland created a sound that shifted everything. <laughs> it made people on this level mm. comedy style, people on this level comedy style. I guess so, yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, she, there was a whole nother sound feel. Yep. Now that I think about because I wasn't in... I, I mean, I, I was rap. Everybody rap, but I didn't think of it like that because now, now that I think back, she was like something no one's seen before. Yep. Yep, that was one. And then you got Puff for his years of doing his thing. Like, you know, rap was super rugged in, in the early 90s. It was just, you know, dirty, yeah. gritty. And he came with, yo, we need to bring some money to the game. And he came with sampling popular records, which was against the hip hop law books then. <laughs> but, you know, I lived that because, you know, I was in Philly. All we listened to was major figures, Locks, Benny Siegel. This was the beginning of what they called the, the, uh, the shiny suit era. Yeah. He shifted the sound because it allowed rappers like Ja Rule to make all the hit records he made, Nelly, all the mm. hit records he made. And that led to 50 Cent sound. And ain't no more shiny suit. Now it's. Right, you know right. what I mean? Hard, hardcore, I'm here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which led to, oh, I'm the down south version of 50 Cent. Led to Jeezy and and T.I. was the so-called Jay-Z of the South. Mm-hmm. And those, when people were daring and changing those, you know, it, it pivoted music. Everybody wanted to do trap music. When yeah. Doing, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, Gucci was like, man, I got a voice. And they all made music go this way. Every time somebody's not scared to do something, they end up in a space where it changes the world forever if they get the platform to do it. Welcome to another edition of the Social Proof Podcast. We find dope people that did dope stuff. And we have a legend today that's been huh. dope for a long time now. <laughs> <laughs> been in the game for a minute. The 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 cannon. Cannon. Oh, that's man. my favorite drop ever. That's what's up, man. Where you gonna hear that? I can't tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you where I got that, but you know. Is your, name, is your name Don Cannon? Yeah, is your my real name, name? Is Donald Cannon. I take the Donald off because of Donald Trump and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was born to be a star. Yeah, Donald Cannon. You, you know, the funny thing is, when I first started, like, man, I started when I was five, but like all the way up into high school, I didn't like Cannon. Really? Yeah, I came to college. I was Donnie Brasco. I found out he was a cop, and I was like, ah, I didn't get out of there. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, uh, Actually, uh, Trent Center and Drum, they just, just started calling me Cannon. And I was like, ah, I hate that shit. It's my real name. You know what I mean? Mm. But then I grew into it. Yeah. yeah, but even in Philly, like, that's that's a real word. Like, yo, you're a Cannon. Like, and it came years later. It came years later. Like, it was saying Cannon. Like, that was 2002, 3, 4, 5. Mm. I was already there. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it just it became that. Yo, well, we know you as, like, a uh, mogul. Can you just, like, kind of just put out some of the stuff that you you've done in terms of uh, like songs we may know of that you produced or you, you get credit for? Yeah. So I first started out with, uh, with some of the mixtapes like T.I., Down With The King and Drum, doing the Gangsta Grills. And then I moved into production uh, right around 2005. My first record, really nobody knows about it, but it was this uh, group called Slick and Rose. They were in Japan. 
and I did that uh, for Japan version. The second record I did was uh, Jeezy Go Crazy, which was Jay-Z. So that was like the first record that really got people's attention on what I was doing. Your second record in your career, Jay-Z and Jeezy. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's crazy because I was putting out, this is why I really uh, realized Manifestation was real. Because, you know, Jay-Z is my favorite rapper, like where everybody else was on, like, you know, Big and Pac and all of them. I was like, Jay was the man, you know what I mean, in 96. I was like listening to his music. I was like, he gonna be hot. Everybody yeah. got it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so like, I always was like, when I get there, I want to make records for him. Yeah. He was already moving. You know, he had, he was four or five albums in, but I was like, yo, I'm gonna catch one day. And one day, Jeezy just hit me like, actually Jeezy and Coach. And it was like, yo, we got something special for you. I'm like, here they go with this nonsense. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it was like, uh, we got Jay on the record. I said, bro, stop playing with me. He got on the record. And not only did he get on the record, he did like 64 bars. So that was like, man, Crazy. I was done. At that point, I was like, I really was like, I can work with anybody at this point because yeah. I hit my goal for the first. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. Having that, what did it do for, not not your career, but for you? You know what I mean? Like, like did, did it put a battery in your back saying, yo, I'm going to go full-time producer? Because you wasn't full-time producer at this point. I mean, I was, but I wasn't professionally full-time producer. Mm. You know what I mean? So the problem the problem with me was coming up, um, you know, coming out of high school, you graduate, counselors be like, yeah, you're going to end up in jail. You know what I'm saying? You're going, mm. you know, you ain't going to make it. Go work at, be an iron worker, which iron work in Philly is like big. Oh, yeah, It's like in sure. Detroit where people work at, you know, Ford, General Motor, whatever it is. And uh, that's all we kept hearing ringing in our head because, Philly was such a tough city to grow up in. So they was like, man, you ain't going to be none. Yeah. You know, sometimes your family members be like, you ain't going to be none. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sure. Go get a job. Don't All that dreaming shit, throw it out the window. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Um, and try to give me the edited version. If you okay. Can, if you can. If yeah. not, we'll bleep it out. <laughs> okay. Oh, we're going to keep it like that. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So. What, um, what, 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 where were you? Because I, I, I don't really know like the backstory. Like, where were you before? Because I, I remember you from affiliates and like, you know, being in the music industry. Mm-hmm. But what about your childhood made people say, yo, he's not going to be nothing? Um, well, it was just something that the older folks just said, you know what I mean? Was you in the streets just, though? Or you was just... Nah, not quite. But I mean, we lived in some terrible neighborhoods. So, you know, you didn't have to physically be doing street things mm-hmm. to be street. Like, you know, everybody says he was a street dude and that meant that they was, you know, into some stuff. I was a street dude, but wasn't into nothing. What I meant by street was I was outside from 10 o'clock in the morning to 8 o'clock at mm-hmm. night, running around. We was doing, you know, playing basketball. We was, you know, we was fighting, you know, mm-hmm. just like, you know, it was things that we was doing, but we wasn't necessarily, quote unquote, gangster. Mm-hmm. Or, you know what I'm saying? We For was sure. just, we went everywhere. We went places that most people in their cities wouldn't went. I, I traveled the whole city of Philadelphia and played basketball in every tough area. Yeah. Even in high school when I, you know, I did things like my job was lifeguarding and, you know, teaching people how to play tennis, but it was mm. in neighborhoods like really? North Philly. Yeah. And South Philly, like, you know, cleaning up, you know, crack valves and stuff off the tennis court so kids could play. And that's still street yeah, because sure. you have to know your environment. And I knew people in every city. Like I lived between two projects. It was Abbotsford projects and it was East Falls projects. I had to go through that every day to get home. So if I came this way, going to Abbotsford, coming this way, going through East Falls. So, you know, when you really from that, you don't talk about it. 
You know what I mean? You just live through it. That's how you know there's some realness about the person. I don't have to go through that. You know what I mean? Some of the high schools I went to, they wasn't the best high schools. Yeah. Um, but we lived through it. It's Philly. You know, it's a tough city. You know, I'm not going to say it's better than other city, but if we had to rank it, like, it's a tough city to grow up in. So when you have counselors and stuff telling you, yeah. you know what I mean, you ain't going to make it or, you know yeah. what I mean, just get a job. You know, we went to counseling in school to get some type of structure. You know what I mean? And the structure wasn't there. It was like, <laughs> bro, we don't see it for you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, you know, getting past that, I carried this chip on my shoulder from, like, high school all the way to, like, 2002 or three, because I was still going back home to Philly um, during the summers from school. And uh, I got in a space where I was like, man, I'm not going to make it. You know what I'm really? saying? Yeah, because... So those seeds planted started to grow. They planted. And then, you know, I went through hard times. I don't know if, you know, if people was in touch with their real self and all that. Like, I went through some heavy times being broke, being not eating some days, having the same T-shirt all through school. Um, You know, when I got kicked out of school, out of Clark, Drum took me in. I was living on his couch. You know what I mean? So I'm just running, I'm running around. And this was Glen Iris, by the way. This was, you know, fourth war. This wasn't like I moved to Buckhead, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> in the early 2000s. But um, yeah, like going through those times, like, you know, I was crying, I was mad, I was frustrated. You know, nobody knew how to deal with me because at that point I was just, I was upset. Like I really wanted a dream, this dream of mine to work. And um, I realized like, at, when I got the Jay-Z and the Jeezy and Jay-Z placement, it solidified me like, oh, I'm supposed to be here. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's why I look back at things in a humble way because it's like, man, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? I was supposed to be here from what the counselor said, but I made it to that point. What what was the dream? Like when you're like broke, you you in college, what was the dream exactly? Um, the first dream <laughs> was to get some money. Honestly, just just yeah. let me just have some money. Yes, <laughs> and then once I get the it. money, I'm gonna go full passion with whatever I want to do. And you know, some people like you know, and my family will call me a prodigy because, again, my I got my first turntable at two years old. Right. You know what I mean, I got my first record, which Michael Jackson Thriller, at two years old. I started spinning at five, and I had a, my first. You was DJing at five, bro. Yeah. I did my aunt's wedding at like six, five or six years old. What? Yeah. Yeah. Who taught you? My Uncle Keith. So I had an uncle. He was like a big uh, DJ in Philly. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, he just chose to anoint me. But, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> to be the next DJ out the family. So, right. you know what I mean? I wound up I wound up following his, you know, footsteps. And like I said, it was just like always brushing my teeth. It was, you know, eight, nine years old. I had demos. I was rapping and making my own beats. Um, I had co- my cousin Keith, which is my Uncle Keith's son. I was... um producing his records, you know what I mean? So I'm 10 years old when normal people are playing with toys and, you know, video games, you know, my main thing was music. I had drum machines. I had uh, cheap drum sets, <laughs> you Yo. know, just little, little stuff. And I had, like, pictures and documents. So, you know, one day I'm going to just show that because people were like, yo, you came a long way. So by the time I got to Clark, I was already, you know, masterful in what I wanted to do. See, I'm I'm thinking when I okay second record, Jay Z and Jeezy, and it's like yo, he had an opportunity, almost like yo, he 
He was in the right place, right time. He got lucky, but you've been doing it since you was five. Yeah, like, I wasn't was, lucky like that. Like again, that was crazy. work. Like we had an artist from Michigan, uh, Willie the Kid. I remember and, the um, kid, yeah. I used to work with Will. He was he was in the dorm. Uh, another kid from Detroit. Uh, his name was Jay Lyrical at the time. He's Detroit Red. He was a producer. Uh, all the steps was happening. Like again, when I came to Clark, I was still poor. I had turntables and a Gemini mixer. That's how I make my beats. I would just sample on this mixer you know what i mean and when i met jay and them, he was he he came down with a beat machine and a keyboard and i was like my man jay lyrical um he was like yo this how you make it on this he had a four track yeah all this stuff i'm like oh okay so i just scrambled i went home bust the move you know came back to school i never was really good in school but i was always smart like i thought i was more advanced than school so um I never told the story. You got to get the exclusive. Oh, but, uh, when I was in college, one of the the, um, the summers I came back, I was telling my mom, look, I need to get a keyboard. You know what I mean? I need to really get into this. She was like, well, you don't do, do good in school. Right? <laughs> so um, she, she um, my father passed when I was 11, right? And we had this pet that if I was do good in school, I'd write, she sent me a letter. She was like, on my dad's grave, Mm. If I do good in school in the next semester, she'll front me the the keyboard now. Mm-hmm. And she was working hard. I mean, I think she was working like a couple of jobs at this time. Like she couldn't wow. I don't beat machine. Um, so I was like, bro, I'm about to put this on my dang grave. <laughs> <laughs> so so I uh I signed it. I originally went to get the NPC mm-hmm. and the store was sold out. And the guy at the uh at the guitar center, it was the Sam Ash, either one of them, he was like, yo. I know you want the NPC, and I know you're seeing what they're doing on TV, but look, you want this ASR keyboard. I'm telling you, a lot of guys using this. I was like, no, NPC, NPC. He's like, bro, you're never going to find it. So I went and got the ASR, and that was like, you know, that led all the way up to now where, you know, the success came out of that story. So um, that was so some of the went things. And, you went and did better in school that semester. Well, I did, but I still didn't care. Like, you know what I'm saying? I didn't care for school. Like, I still was sitting in biology and I was still in there, like, and it was weird because people was like, yo, if you don't like, you know, I was doing uh, business management. He was like, yo, if you don't like, you know, all that, you can go to Mass Comm and learn the radio. But when I went in Mass Comm and learned radio, I knew, I knew all the boards already. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it didn't make no sense. So I was like, okay, I don't know that. What am I going to do? And then uh, uh, I got, <laughs> I actually got kicked out of school. And then 9-11 happened, and that's where it was like, yo, I came to the crossroad. My mom's like, what you going to do? And I was like, I'm going to stay down here and figure it out. So I stayed down. You know, that was the moment your parents be like, because <laughs> yo, you know what I'm saying? You know, figure it out. Did so, you work yo, a job? Uh, nah. I hustled all through college, which meaning I was DJing. I got a couple opportunities, so... uh. Philly Most Wanted. I don't know if anybody remember that yeah. group. They they came, they were living in Atlanta. Uh, a friend of mine's, which was up in Philly named MB, he hooked me up with Philly Most Wanted and they they seen the skill and it was like, yo, we about to go on tour. Went on tour with them. That led to me going on tour with Miss J and Timberland on and Bubba Sparks on the beat, yeah. beat club uh tour. 
All right, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you can keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headache, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. It just makes sense. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit from NetSuite? I know you see it. Listen to me. If you have everything scattered in business, you cannot grow. And everything is more expensive when you have more and more processes layered on top of each other, more and more softwares. You got to get out of that. And it, it will improve efficiency and cut costs. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com slash social proof. That's NetSuite.com slash social proof. NetSuite.com slash social proof. Um, I wound up, I knew it was a pivotal moment. I was still in the in the dorm and we did Jenny Jones. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and we did Jenny Jones. I, you know, we did the performance. When right. I came back to school, to the dorm, it was like, yo, you was on Jenny Jones. I was, yeah, I was it's over. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that was really, you know, them, them turning points when I went on tour. Um, Alex, which is big in Atlanta, uh, AG Entertainment, uh, they put me in front of some good parties. I don't P. Diddy parties. 19 years old, 20 years old. I was doing Shaq parties. 21, I did Whitney Houston birthday party. So I was just in that mix. I was already making money. Yeah. And then John was pulling me in to open up for him at some clubs. And it's just, you know, that's how I made my money. Sure, you know for sure. Yeah. yeah, so you're, um, so how did affiliates come about? Because I, I knew about affiliates because I was, me and Infamous, we went to school together. Yep. And then we came down. And I remember I had made him an affiliate t-shirt. Like, yeah. like I made the logo. Like I was like painting t-shirts at the time, and uh, it was just so lit. Like y'all just had the swag. Y'all had the streets on fire. Right. How did that company come about? Were you still sleeping on this couch when y'all created that? Yeah, we were. So we started out. It was a crew called uh, the Super Friends. Mm -hmm. It was DJ Mars Trauma. They had the city, yeah. and you wanted to be a part of their crew. Mm -hmm. So uh, they made us a part of their crew. Um, but we always were just like a like a, a Megatron. The three of us. You know what I mean. Who's uh, a trendsetter, drama, and me. Yep. So um, we always had these like little windows of opportunity to make our own brand, mm. but we never did. We had like managers and we just couldn't figure out the name. Um, PH Balance was the original name because it was Philly Balance. Mm. And that didn't work out because, you know, it was like, <laughs> <laughs> that ain't work out too well. You know what I mean? It was like, nah, that ain't it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then, uh, uh, a guy, a friend of ours named Ace McCloud. This is the weird thing. Like, Ace McCloud, I knew since high school, right? He was like an older guy, but he was down here from already. From Trenton? He's from, uh, he's from Philly. He's from Philly? Yeah. Okay. So, is that who Big Ubi talking about? Ace McCloud? So, U was from Trenton, yeah. right? And his, Ace was his manager. 
Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, okay. But I met him randomly. I was at prom and the IHOP. He was like, yo, what's up, young boy? What you going to do? Like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm going to go down Atlanta. He's like, oh, I'm down there. We going to link mm-hmm. up. So that was our story. But he was already friends with Drama and gotcha. sits down there. Gotcha. So he ain't had no idea what I was doing. Uh, so, you know, long story short, we we linked together when we got down there. And he was like kind of running with us. He was a rapper. He was kind of like doing some management, getting his gigs, whatever, mm-hmm. little stuff. And then one day he was like, man, y'all, y'all mess with everybody equally. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like y'all really be affiliated with people. And we was like, that was it. Really? That's how we came up with the name. So the affiliates was basically a playoff being affiliated with everybody. Like we didn't have mm-hmm. no beefs with no other Rival DJs, no crews. Yeah. Um, we just, that's what it became. And we put the PH in there for Philly. Gotcha, gotcha. So when y'all created the company, was it a legit company? Like, yeah, it was a legit like, company. Yeah. Y'all had like paperwork, like this is my percentage, the percentage or not? Um, we didn't have that broken down. We just had the LLC. We was kind of like, we just, we rigged it. You know what I'm saying? It was like, yo, you got this. Right. I got this. Just no. You know what I mean? But did it know, ever cause any issues? Because I mean, Cause we don't know who owns what. Like I don't think so. Because honestly, bro, and there'll be a test to this. We were so broke trying to make money mm-hmm. that we just was eating at the pot. Yeah. We just knew, hey man, it's thirty dollars in there. Don't take forty. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, right, right. It was like, man, take ten. Right. You know what I'm saying? It was just, <laughs> it was just what we were already, mm. you know, what I mean, established with. We was friends. Like again, like our respect level for each other was in a different space because. We was hungry, was broke. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So when we first started, it just was like, hey man, put in, put in, put in. We put in, put in anybody. Like we made hundred dollars, put in ten dollars, yeah. just to build the pot. And you know, at that point when we started growing, um, I think we started saying, Hey, we're, you know, 33, 33, 33. Yeah. And then Then eventually y'all got the paperwork together. Okay. Gotcha. Eventually. Gotcha. That's yeah. good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That y'all can still do that, because especially like with let's say like drama out in front. Yep. Any egos ever come about like, yo, you, and, and it's like, as a, as a man, you feel like, yo, I'm dope too. Like, why ain't, nobody, <laughs> why, ain't on, why ain't on the flyer? You know what I mean? Like, do you ever have any feelings of that? All right, listen, every single week, every episode, you hear me talking about the morningmeetup.com. It's the community. Let me show you what's happening here. Every single morning, Monday through Friday, there's 400 plus people on a Zoom call, right? We're learning, we're talking, we're growing together. And this is you. There's all these people here. It's all these people in the morning meetup. Hundreds of people reading books, growing. We get together quarterly. It's amazing. And for some reason, you just keep looking at, just go to themorningmeetup.com and get in the circle. And then you'll be like way happier. Just themorningmeetup.com. Let's get back to the episode. Yes and no. And let me tell you two things. If there's a Jordan, there was a Pippen. You know what I mean? The movement, the movement won a championship. You know what I'm saying? So I was okay with, you know, whenever I was called to be Jordan, I was Jordan. Mm-hmm. Whenever I was called to be Pippen, I was Pippen. And that's just where my head, my, my mindset was at all times. Yeah. I was like, I'm a team player. You know what I mean? Yeah. If I'm Kobe, I'm Kobe. If I'm not, um, the next man, I'm, you know, or if I'm Phil Jackson, for instance, you know what I'm saying? That's just how I uh, operate. That's how I, you right. know what I mean? That's what I'm on. Logically, that makes sense. It just seems like Ever. And I, I've been in situations where it's like, it's me and a group of people. And I mean, your pride or like you're not, I'm not arrogance, but you're like, I'm really better than 
these guys in my in my own mind, and I can I can say that now because it's, you know as I'm young, I'm having these feelings. Yeah, but like, so you never was like, yo, I want to because drama's always been the major face. Mm-hmm. You never in your heart was like, yo, I really want to be the guy. Yeah, I mean, honestly, and I'm gonna say it on this, they probably won't watch it, but I'm better than them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But point blank, I'm better than yeah. them. They, they may tell you, I'm, I might be technically better than them, like on on a DJ level. I'm just, I'm a different, I'm a different dude. I like, I study, I, you know, I'm in it, like in it, in it. Drum and them, they're great DJs, but I'm like the best. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Sure. That's just how I felt. Yeah, and sure. Knowing that I feel like that, if they give him the merit before me, I'm not cool. We friends, so it's like, bro, you got it. Yeah. I'll be right here. Yeah, for sure. But he, it was still like the way we kicked it was an assassin type thing. Like if Drum was, if he was DJing, it was like, oh, oh y'all think we messing around? Oh, yeah. My young boy right here. Yo, young boy, show him what to do. And yeah. I go in there, give him hell. So now it looks like two Jordans up there. Yeah, you know for sure. I mean? Yeah. So that's how that's how we was on. We ne- we just always kind of bounced the energy like that. Even yeah. with Trendsetter, it was like he always was like, yo. Get them. And I would, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and they they older than me. So, yeah. you know what I mean? So, I just, you know, I roll with the punches. Gotcha, you know I mean? gotcha. Yeah. So, I think everybody knows, like, the how um, uh, it, y'all can sit down, too. I don't know if there's a, there's a seat over there. Um, I don't know how, like, it, for some reason, it was, like, just a powerful movement, and then it stopped. Obviously, the raid happened, and, yep. you know, that kind of situation. But, who decided or why did y'all decide to like shut it down? Why couldn't y'all just get past the... Um, so when the raid happened, that was our first um, our first finger pointing thing. And we were talking about separating the business. Um, that's when we was like, who owns what? Who does what? Mm. What's my percentage? Because, you know, you point fingers at the time. What did you do to get us here? Or what do you do? So then that starts Dang. making a separation between your friendship. And you, you know, you got people over here like, man, they did something. You better get out the way, or uh, you know, it, and they were hearing it too. So it, it it caused a divider between us where we didn't know who to trust, what, when, where, how. So because again, we never had a mentor like a Kevin Lyles or like Steve Harvey come put his arm around us. Like, yo, I see what y'all young bros mm-hmm. doing. This how you do it for real. Sure. So that's where um, we was just winging it. We didn't know we. We was just out here making money. We never thought that we were doing anything to disturb. All we felt was music. You know what yeah. I mean? We never thought about anything. So when that happened and the divide came, it was like everybody started their own joint. You know, I started blaming Drum uh, for a lot of stuff. He started blaming me. We started blaming people that we had up under us. It was a lot. Just not even for like the rape perspective, but just anything. Like if it was anything, we were just arguing over everything. So, you know, I stepped off and I did, um, I wanted to learn the business a little bit more. So I know, you know, how to play it. I went to, I took a a job at Def Jam as a vice president at A&R and I wanted to go to Def Jam and like try to figure out everything, you know? And uh, I was working closely with No ID. Mm -hmm. We basically just lifted up the hood and was like, oh, they got nitrogen in here. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? When my contract over, I'm about to. I'm about to go do something crazy. Mm. But in between there, like, I, I was living in Cali, driving them mm. were here. When we finally sat down, like, there were some times where we got into, you know, some heavy arguments where it felt like it was about to be Word. something going on. But for some reason, God never let it happen. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. One day, uh, I don't know what the situation is, but 
Drum just hit me like, yo, we should sit down and just talk. You know what I mean? It's like, cool. We went to uh, Jersey Mike's. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> By the time we got the food and sat down, we didn't even know what we was arguing about. It was just like we be- we came back to that space of like, oh, man. man, I don't know what we was thinking about. You know what I'm saying? Yo, that's crazy. That's interesting, too, because the raid wasn't any of your faults, but like one day, like we're tight and then some like an external factor comes in uh-huh. and creates a wedge. Now we're pointing each other and we don't even know why. Like, why am I, this, it's not your fault that this happened. Yeah. But I'm just blaming you and now we separate. I think that's a lesson it, It's for tough anybody. too because, in, listen, bro, we were scorching hot. Crazy. Scorching hot. Like when dedication came out, it felt like we was touching gold every time. It, anybody could bring any artist to us. We was because we was putting full passion into those projects. We lived all passion. Like, oh man, there's no way this gonna fail. We, you know what I'm saying? So when you got that, you start building the ego. It's not like we get in Hollywood. We were still the same dudes. We was out talking to people in the street. We was like, yo, we cool, we cool. But on an inner level, it was like, man, I'm canon. You know what I'm saying? So I felt like part of the raid happened to kind of like bring us back down to the humble beings mm. we were from, you know, up above and like, hey, man, yeah. I put y'all here to do this. I didn't put y'all here to do this. Yeah. And I think that, you know, when you get your first piece of success, and this goes for everybody, I, I know when I first got, I got some huge checks at 26 years old and um, I was doing the most. I was buying cars, crashing them. F it, I'm going to get a new one. You know what I mean? Uh, I was just in a mode. I was feeling it. You know what I mean? You know, we had all the women around. We was just doing a whole lot. You feel yeah. yourself. Yeah. So when you have something that brings you back to that moment of, oh, man, I forgot who I was. Mm. So then that's where, you know, it settled us down. It was able for us to sit down and, and rebuild the structure from a humble state. That's a very mature thing to say. Yeah, yeah. Like to look back and say, yo, I was wild. Like I got arrogant. Like, mm-hmm. and I think obviously that um that happened for a reason because where you're going, it's probably gonna be 10x, 20x what that was. <laughs> right. You gotta right. remember, hey, that's right. facts. That's Come facts. Come on, man. Don't yeah. go to the dealership and say, I'll get all the colors. Yeah, I was just going, I was doing <laughs> way too much. I bought I bought a green Tahoe or something, and I was like, this color ugly, leave it. Get another one. Just was cutting checks for no reason. I was buying chains. Mixed money? Like, what? Yeah, well, you know, I had production money. I was yeah. DJing. Oh, yeah, we yeah, had, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? We were hosting tapes. Coming from everywhere. Yeah, so the money was just, the money was different. So in this, like, Atlanta in itself is a melting pot of people. So when we go in the club, we competing. You know what I mean? Yeah. We trying to, you want to throw 5,000 ones? I'm going to throw 7,500 ones. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to throw 10. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm just going to go crazy. Right. How about that? Y'all see me? I'm here. <laughs> so that's, that's what I was on. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, Drum, you know, we just, we moved entirely different and we had a lot of influences like in Atlanta. So people was doing their thing and people was, you know, showing that they was doing their thing. Um, you very rarely get to hear someone like reflect and say that. Yeah, I see it vividly. When I say mm-hmm. I'm in touch with what I got going on, I'm in touch with every piece. I remember almost everything and at the point where I was like oh you know what I was doing too much there yeah. and then God put me back on a good track so that's where I feel like uh, the company was able to grow back because you know none of us really hit hard times where we was back on the street yeah. you know and sometimes that happens to humble some people mm-hmm. ours came in a 
you understand what that trial was. Gotcha. You know, gotcha. in the tribulation. So now get to it the right way where I put you at. Gotcha. You know, and that's what happens. When you God fearing it, you're in those spaces, you just get right on track. You don't put I don't play games with it. You know what I mean? And you got you said you took the job at uh Def Jam, yep. vice president at AR. Yeah, AR. Your role is to go find artists. Yes? Yeah. So at that time it was I was in um when when me and Drum and Trent split, I was like, yo, I need to make a genre. You know what I mean? Or kind of help contribute to a genre. Like, so a subgenre. Mm-hmm. So we had rap, we had uh, GZTI, but Atlanta had a culture that nobody seen before, which they would call the hipster movement, mm. right? So uh, one of the one of the things did, uh, Stevie Williams, a good friend of mine, was a skateboarder. He like, you know, I call him Michael Jordan, skateboarder. Um, he came down, he moved down. I was like, yo, we should open up a shop. Look, I got all the artists to come through. We can make this joint big. So we opened up a shop called Skate Teak. We had a ramp. It was in a little five points. And I brought all the artists to 840K. Y'all did that together? Yeah. That was our store. Oh, uh, I thought it was just Stevie. I didn't know you had... Nah, we was partners. Yeah. Okay. I see what's <laughs> going partners. on. So just in that skateboard community, you know, we I've known so many people. So, you know, uh, at that point, we had... It was a pivotal group called 2-9. Uh, Reese was in it. Reese LaFleur, he's out here. Um, and just a movement here. When people was coming here, it was just the Earthlink Live kind of thing. It was like Big Sean came, Don Kennedy, yeah. Asher Roth, uh, Currency. All this stuff was something that I was involved in. And I was kind of like, you know, the Phil Jackson to it. People was coming to me. I did the mixtapes. That was their first way, the way out. Because for, for a certain amount of time, it was hard for those guys to even get a mixtape. Right. Yeah, because it was like, we only was working with a certain amount of people. And it wasn't the people on a higher level. It just was, we saw um, people that we wanted to work with and we wanted to help. Mm-hmm. You know, there was, uh, I always talk about uh, working with Yo Gotti at some point, working with Slim Thug. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, we were just in this mind frame. So I always kind of worked with some of the younger folks there. So I was like, yo, we can start something in Atlanta and build it. So we built it. Cool kids came out of that. Uh, Currency made a huge name off of some of the stuff we did. Um, again, Asher Roth, just a lot of those guys, and um, that was my kind of footprint on a on a new beginning. It was like, oh, I'm helping these guys. I was like one of the first guys to do video mixed uh, videos for mixtape records. You know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> yeah, we was doing like behind the scenes stuff in 2009 and 10. It was like. Why they doing a video for you know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. Or the, the you know the making of or whatever. So that was that was my footprint on starting something new. It's so important that black voices are represented in black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of black uh, voices and influencers from black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Smyrta to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. I listen and I'm enjoying these conversations that are for us, by us. Black representation 
Again, it hasn't always been uh, shared from our perspective. And black perspectives haven't been censored in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR. Noir, turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR wherever you get podcasts. Yeah, you know what I mean. You've seen like a couple different, uh, uh kind of like like I don't want to say evolution, but like different seasons of hip hop and. Yep. And artistry and, and all that, right? So from the time of like Jeezy, trap music to where we are today, and I'm not into music like that, so I don't know where we are today. Like some of the stuff I hear, I'm like, <laughs> I have no idea. What do you think contributes to the change in direction of music? Um, fearless artists. And what I mean by that is like every every turn in music is somebody that really was like, man, I ain't scared to do this. I'm going to do it and change. Give me you know, an example. Okay, I, I'll start way back. So you had uh, Missy Elliott, mm-hmm. right? Missy Elliott was one of them people that would get turned away because they didn't want her in the video because she didn't, they didn't think her looks were right. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, all this jazz they were trying to put on her. She was super talented. Mm-hmm. Her and Timberland created a sound that shifted everything. <laughs> it made people on this level mm-hmm. copy the style, people on this level comedy style. I guess so, yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, she, it was a whole nother sound feel. Yep. Now that I think about because I wasn't in... I, I mean, I, I was rap. Everybody rap, but I didn't think of it like that because now, now that I think back, she was like something no one's seen before. Yep. Yep, that was one. And then you got Puff for his years of doing his thing. Like, you know, rap was super rugged in, in the early 90s. It was just, you know, dirty, yeah. gritty. And he came with, yo, we need to bring some money to the game. And he came with sampling popular records, which was against the hip hop law books then. (laughs) But, you know, I lived that because, you know, I was in Philly. All we listened to was major figures, Locks, Mm -hmm. Beanie Siegel. This was the beginning of what they called the the shiny suit era. He shifted the sound because it allowed rappers like Ja Rule to make all the hit records he made, Nelly, all the Mm -hmm. hit records he made. And that, led to 50 cents now and ain't no more shiny suit now it's right you know right. what i mean Hard, hardcore i'm here yeah you know what i mean which led to oh i'm the down south version of 50 cent led to jeezy and and ti was the so-called jay-z of the south mm-hmm. and those when people were daring and changing those you know it, it pivoted music everybody wanted to do trap music when yeah doing you know what i mean and uh yeah, Gucci was like, man, I got a voice. And they all made music go this way. That's then, you right. go on it, then you go into uh, where I was calling, they called the hipster era. It was like the underground. Mm-hmm. I got like conscious, kind of. Yeah. Well, it, it, Drake came from that. And he wasn't necessarily be conscious, but he came from that era. He, he attacked those people. He was like, yo, I hang with y'all. I know them. You know, I know mm-hmm. them, but I'm cool with y'all too. So I gave mm-hmm. him a bridge. You know what I mean? Same thing Kanye did. He had Talib and Jay-Z, yeah. and it was like he bridged them. Yeah. So it was like that sound created that. Drake came with a, 
a sound that was incredible. Yeah. Everybody wanted to copy yeah. from 2010 till now still, from 10 to 15. Then you had, you know, where we started, the generation now, which was like the Lil Uzi Vert, which kind of created, uh, you know, a different emo sound. Mm-hmm. Rap, that was like first rappers really talking about their emotions really like that, yeah. you know what I mean? So that's where, like, every time somebody's not scared to do something, they end up in this space where it changes the world forever if they get the platform to do it. Mm. So that's where music just keeps. You, you got that evolved in. I ain't emotional no more. I'm I'm socking people outside. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's drill time. You know right, what I'm right, saying? Right. So that's how the music evolves. And then you know, soon people are gonna be like, man, we getting in trouble for socking outside, but like you know, and clicking up and stuff. So I'm gonna let's get back to let's get back to dance and love. That's where it's headed now. You see, like, is that where it's going? I feel like that's the, know, I feel like you got the crystal ball. Like, you know where it's going. Yeah, I mean, in my philosophy, I think like when we was doing too much, like we we had the Waka Flocka and Scrappy, we was tearing the game up yeah. in the South, right? Yeah. But I felt like at some point it was too, it was getting um, oversaturated, so they made EDM. And EDM was basically that music without rappers on it. And then <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So it was like, explain, explain EDM. So EDM to me was like EDM trap. Was like some of the it was just beats, yeah, noises you really didn't hear, vocals they had like little uh, like splashes of vocals they were sampled from people, but it was just you know the EDM era all you heard was beats and festivals, mm. you know what I mean? And then that changed into, uh, we want to hear somebody rap on these beats now. What's yeah. going on? And then the EDM DJs went start get the rappers, gotcha. Rappers took it back from just nobody being on the beat to back to the rap. So you know mm. it keeps changing. Because this is just what our culture does. We wait, we get tired of something for a second, but like, all right, we're going to chill on that. Gosh. You know what I mean? So you think about Drake right now, think about like Sticky and all the songs he's making. And, you know, even Beyonce. Right. The rhythm is different now. Yeah. So I'm anxious to see in the next six months who, which rappers are daring enough to do that. Or we go into another era of uh, 50 Cent or Puff Daddy. I don't know where mm-hmm. it's going to go. I just know that right now, people are we're tired of and we outside going crazy. Now we're like, bro, we ain't going to jail over this. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. We're making too much money. Let's do a different vibe. And there's always reality rap, but that's just what I see what's happening now. People are just like, man, I'm, I'm chill. Yo, I'm that makes sense. And I, I haven't, um, you know what's crazy? I am a, I'm a Drake. I, I really like Drake. And um, seeing, I, I haven't heard the album, but seeing what everybody said about the album, really killed my excitement in listening, which is crazy. I got influenced to not listen to a rapper I absolutely love. But now the way you're saying it is he's doing what he does that made me love him in the first place. He's, 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 he's creating the lane. He always has. Um, those guys, like, you know, that's why we, we, we make the Mount, Mount Rushmore. And I, I have a Mount Rushmore in tears. So what I mean by that is I have the people that I know is not moving because of what they've done in the history of music. Then I have people that's on the come up doing that. So Drake is one of those guys that's just always pushing the envelope. And you can't say nothing bad about him because he always does. He's just pushing the envelope 24-7. Kendrick's pushing the envelope. Kendrick didn't have to do what he did on his last album. He could have made, he could have went from damn to another damn making Huge hits. Yeah. He made an art piece, but it was for people that he was like, bro, 
I'm not speaking to everybody. I'm speaking to people that really want to listen. Mm-hmm. want to teach y'all something. So he gave y'all a perspective. You know what I mean? So that's where I feel like um, music is going to. It's like everybody having their own perspective of what's supposed to be happening. Like, we don't all have to do the same thing. Listen, if I was going to teach you how to make a million dollars, would you give me 10000 Like, if I had a course teach you how to make a million dollars and you're positive, you're going to make a million dollars, would you give me 10000 Of course you would. It's no-brainer, right? So in a calendar year, we make seven figures with the podcast. But there's 21 things that I extracted from that that you're going to need to launch a podcast. But I only got time to give you three right now. One is you need a distribution platform. The distribution platform is what you upload your podcast to. That platform sends it to Spotify, Apple, Google Play, so that your supporters can actually listen to your podcast. You're also going to need a microphone. You need a really good microphone so it's crispy audio. And three, you need an income strategy. This is not necessarily a hobby, unless you're going to make it a hobby. But I can teach you how I made the seven figures with these 21 things. Now, the good news is you don't have to give me 10,000. My ebook is only 37 bucks, okay? So listen, go to podcastebook.com and get the 21 things that you need. And I I can explain it in detail, all the things that you need, okay? Podcastebook.com. Let's get to the episode. Yeah, and it's really, bro, this conversation is helping me more than you know because, like, again, I'm not in the music space, but... I see some things in the entrepreneurial space. Like, okay, like everybody's selling a course now. At some point, somebody has to do something different. And now in my mind, even as you're talking, I'm like, okay, what's the different? What is the different in my industry that everybody's going to follow? Because it seems like, especially in music, you you can only have mild success doing what everyone's doing in the moment. Yeah. But if you want to change the game, you have to be the person that's going to create the thing that everyone will be doing in another moment. Yeah, somebody had, well, you know, like you, I've known you forever, right? One of the things I seen that was smart, you had shirts and books. You were in Cumberland Mall and had a kiosk. And I walked through there and your hustle was different. You know what I mean? Most people on kiosks, they don't really speak to you. You had an outspoken kind of uh, positioning. So it was only right for me to see you in this moment. You know what I mean? Because this is the next level. You spoke well, so you're here. You know what I mean? Um, you. But, you know, I was having this conversation earlier. We see Angela uh, Angela Yee. She went, so yeah, the breakfast club is over as we know it, right? So we was trying to kind of decrypt it and figure out what, what it really meant. And all we know is the bottom line is it's over. But I thought about it differently. I'm like, oh, does that mean that uh, podcasts and, and these talk shows on different platforms are tearing radio up? Mm. Where we don't, we don't have uh, no appreciation for the Greg Streets and the people that's in that space. Mm. What does this really mean? So everybody moving into the podcast, like even in, at a Vest Fest, we went there, like went into the, you know, the vendor room and I seen no radio presence. No, you know what I mean? No streets. And that's like, odd for you. Very odd. Because you, you go to car shows, you see those. You see, you got to stop by Hot 107.9. Yeah. You got to stop by the streets and talk to Ferrari and them. You got to go to V103 and see Greg Street and, mm. and Tigger and everybody. So like to see a room and have 15,000, 20,000 people here to learn in that room and there's no radio. It's like, oh, snap. Is, has the game moved into podcasting? Has it moved to serious satellite? What is it? Like, is it just playlisting? So in a world now where everybody has a podcast and everything, the person that wins is the person that turns it into uh, a, a different type of podcast. You know what I mean? Man, darn, I missed it. I missed it. I had a table and like I'm 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 selling like my morning meetup, which is my community, and also um 
like t-shirts and stuff. Mm-hmm. I wish we had this conversation last week because if we had, I would have literally set up my booth like the radio station. Like, yo, you got to come by and get your perspective. I, I, Bro, so I many people it. was there and it was like the opportunity was missed. Like, I oh, never walked crazy. around a room like that in the World Congress Center and not did interviews. I was walking around supporting black businesses. I never, it. I didn't talk to anybody. <laughs> not one person. I'm sorry, one person, uh, I talked to this guy, a guy, Nick, he had a joint, but it's very brief and short, but he he won because he was the only one sitting in there really doing an interview. So, so, uh, <laughs> you, listen, yeah. y'all see me at like vending somewhere, it is going to be a podcasting studio. It, I got it. Yeah, got like, it. Bro, this is, got it's, it. it's imperative because, Bro, even if you're in the room listening to Steve Harvey, if that's what you want to do, if you backstage busting up with some some investors for the building, just thinking about having that stand there that's working for you when you're not there, you have to. Like you have to. Like there's so many people walk through that room. You want to know Beyonce might have came like, "Hey, I'm an investor. I'm at the Vest Fest," and you missed the interview. I missed. <laughs> and she might have had. To. So those are things that everybody wasn't doing yeah. that shows us. Oh, he on a different wave. He got the whole social proof. Set up right there. Yeah. It's nobody was doing it. So it's like you won. Yep. If the dude wind up having a bigger space, you know, he they gave him a small space. So it was like he did whatever it was it took yeah. to get that. But if he had like when you first come in and it's right there, which you probably would have did. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Oh, it's over. It'd have been first stop. Yo, come get your gift bag, your t-shirt, get on the podcast, and win. Not that That's I know. where those are the things where people are not doing like I told him. People, nobody's done what Fab Five Freddy did in a minute. Fab Five Freddy did MTV back in the day, and he would go to like Tupac's crib, and they would walk down the street and just talk, have a conversation. Uh, he would go to Easy E's video shoot, and they'd just be, you know, what I mean, busting it up or MC Hammer's, you know, dining. Like me and Jeezy did one old school, like right around Trap or Die Two. We went to a sushi spot and did our whole conversation with MTV there. Like there's nobody doing that really that I haven't seen mm. you know most people have a studio in studio stuff like that but nobody's on set like I'm on set with you know Rick Ross or I'm at you know if they go to his house they're sitting in the middle of his crib you know I can't miss this moment bro <laughs> he's, I gotta... he's sitting in his crib but y'all not walking out talking by the cattle or you're not by the water like there's no real interaction happening yeah. and that's what I'm and that's what I liked about it. Like, you have a lot of MTV raps. You got a lot of basement uh, stuff. But there's no interaction of of people together in a different space. Like, you know what I mean? I, I was telling people, like, if me and Drown was to do something like that, we need to be walking down North Avenue with Tip and remembering yeah. those days or just talking. Like, we can't be sitting in no studio talking. Yeah. Like, we got to. You got to feel, feel attacked. You got to see how people... <laughs> I feel attacked right yeah, now. Yeah, like, figure out, like, Fat <laughs> Five Freddy, he was walking by and Tupac would see some fans and he's like, Pac, yo, we love you. Yo, come here. He signed a t-shirt right on the TV. Like, that's a different experience. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? That people are not getting. People are not feeling that situation. And everybody's always chimed in. It was like, well, you know, today is messed up. You know, people be trying to do this yeah. and that. But it still has to be that, that space where, you know, even it's a segment. Mm-hmm. on the scene segment. Mm-hmm. That's what goes into that vendor shop. It's just on the scene at all times doing stuff. Like, you oh, know what I'm saying? I'm excited. You excited? You got ideas? Is it happening? <laughs> it's happening right now. Oh my gosh. Yo, all right. So, oh man, this is crazy. What's your, what, what you and 
Drum. It's just you and Drum that have the company for uh, the record label. Yeah. Also? yeah, so Lake Show, which was also some guy, he went to Morehouse. Mm-hmm. He was a friend of ours. And, um, not Trendsetter? He's not in... No, Trendsetter is just... He's still a part of the, the whole affiliation, but not part of Generation Now. Gotcha. Um, when Generation Now started, to be honest, it was like whoever whoever was going to put in super blood, uh, sweat equity and uh, had some dividends to actually move, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I ever told the story, like, when, when I was bringing, you know, I, I found Uzi, I brought it to a drama, and I'm like, yo, we could do this again. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, we should do it. And not one person said no. You know what I mean? Um, we had some backlash from some people. We knew it's like, nah, that ain't gonna work, man. You got purple hair. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. It was like, what are y'all doing? I was like, bro's talented, but I get it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if, you know what I mean? And um, I think Lake was one of he was one of the first people like, bro, listen, I'm trying to change my life. I'm all in. I love this. I'm willing to do whatever. And that's how he became um the partner to what me and Drum was moving forward with. When he says I'm trying to change my life, what do you mean? What was he mean? By well, that? he was doing management. I think at the time he was managing uh, Mace, Bobby V. He was still doing Freeway at the time. And I think he was just trying to learn the business and get to another level. I think he kind of had management down pat. Mm-hmm. And um, and we just used to admire him from afar. Just like some of the stuff he would do. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that he was like, man, if I can get to this level, I can, you know, kind of use management as a part of another business. It's like we all as entrepreneurs, we're trying to find that uh, quote unquote, six ways to make money. Yeah. And I think that's where he was trying to establish. So he, he went all in, you know. Why a trendsetter not, why was, was he just like in another lane or? He, he was around. I, I just think that um, there's sometimes when you have friends and you have business. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I I don't really know because we everybody always asks this question like why he's not in the business but I really don't know, really, um, but he's always been around. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, sometimes when it's on paper, it look it's technically this, but in reality, it's all of us. Yeah, We're still true. there. Gotcha, you know gotcha. I mean? So yeah, that's that's really my answer. I don't really have a real answer why he's not available. You know, it's a couple people that felt like they were supposed to be a part of the situation. It just didn't work out. Yeah. Now it's up to us to really get past it and figure out if we friends beyond the business and really can be cool yeah. without, you know what I mean, having That's to right. worry about why I wasn't in it. Why, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And on your label is uh, Jack Harlow too, yep. which is huge. Superstar. Did you know that was going to happen? Yeah. So, you know, again, I tell this to everybody. We, when we look for artists, we look for, we look for conviction. And, uh, you know, when I, when I found Uzi, it was like, I was in Atlantic city. I heard him on the radio, ironically, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, and it was something different. I was like, man, a Philly artist sounding like this, this could be huge. It was something different. So, uh, when I brought it back down, it was the same pattern with Jack. It was like, this dude can rap. Where you from? Mm-hmm. Kentucky. Kentucky? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm from Kentucky. I'm from Louisville. Did you have a following? Slightly. Maybe a little bit at home. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But when he came to meet, uh, it's rarely people that we meet that come and sit with us and know exactly how the whole thing's going to play out. What like, do you mean? Explain that. He came to our, our meeting. He, had, he was him, and he had a producer, which he calls his Metro, which was two for one. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was sitting in the room, and we was asking him, so like, what's your vision? You know, that's the icebreaker conversation with all this. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? 
And Holmes was like, bro, I'm going to do this right now. I'm going to do this. I want to do this. I'm going to eventually get here. You know what I mean? Mm. And uh, I didn't, I, I, I skipped past the actual nam- names of the plans because, you know, I won't give up the secret. Sure. But um, he knows exactly where he's going to be. Like, even planning out an album. He'd be like, yo, meet me at the studio. I'm holler at you. We get there. He has a plan of what he wants to be. We talk about it for three, four hours. It's just the planning is not a normal artist. Mm. You know, most artists, we, they go in, make 100, 250 records, and pick 12 on an album or 20. He's methodical. He's So he's not just recording mad stuff and picking the top ones. He's like, yo, this one and this one. This gotta and he's like really like like an artist, not just yeah, and you're not gonna and you're not gonna hear all the records. If he was shooting jump shots or you know, doing some scratch songs, you're gonna hear what he's working on. Like he'll work on records over and over to that one's perfected. Mm. And that's something that you don't see in a lot of artists. It's like, make this record, that's gone. But how can I make this better? And then he'll ask around and you know, do certain things, so have a meeting about it. So dude's whole thought process just allow us to really think that he was going to be here. Like, you just see him on TV, mm. you see it, and people say, oh, it's privilege and all that's not. Dude is really good as hell. Like, he's good as hell. Mm. Like, I can't, I can't deny nothing he's done. Everything he's doing now, he deserved it. He put in work. He went out there and, and performed in front of 10 people when people said, he ain't going to be nothing. You know, when we was first bringing him around, they had this joke with us that he was Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> we didn't, we didn't, you know what I mean? We ain't fuck with it, but right. dude knows exactly what he's super confident. Yeah. You know, most people are like, ah, when they come out, oh, he ain't wearing cool J's and all that yeah. stuff. He was like, man, I wear new balances. That's what you I You saw something. You see what I'm saying? It was, yeah. it was how can, when he talked to us, it was like, he meant that. And when you meet those people, you roll with them. Yeah. It, I, I thought the music industry was like, yo, we gotta, we gotta have something Something popping on TikTok. You got to have some following. You know what I mean? And they're, they're not signing based on what you said. Like, they're not signing based on talent and, like, the person they're signing off of what they think they can market. Isn't yeah. that, like, the majority of music? Yeah, it is. Because everybody uh, pays attention to analytics and the algorithm. I don't give a damn about that. You know what I mean? I don't like algorithms. I don't like analytics because, you know, if somebody got small analytics, they might not, they might be one of the best rappers or diamond in the rough why are we worried about some numbers or how people like them you know what i mean or what tiktok is doing or they song is doing this that's those are only promotional tools the promotional tools shouldn't dictate to us who the next star is that's just how i feel mm-hmm. and everything it shows with our company everything we got in our company nobody's been a tiktok sensation nobody's been uh instagram kid or you know everything you know even saying He's bubbling in the streets. We never had nothing that was bubbling in the streets. It was all built from the ground. Mm. You know what I mean? So I think we did that with the mixtape games and we're we're staying close to that with picking our artists. Like when nobody was working with, you know, Jeezy when we first did this, you know what I mean? Mm. He was doing everything on his own. Uh, Paul Wall came around. Uh, David Banner came around. These are all people that was building. We just helped build them. We helped, you know, their vision. Wow. Can I get a water? You need a water? 
What's up, podcaster or soon-to-be podcaster? Get ready to level up your podcast game because the number one podcast education summit of the year is back, and it's bigger and better than ever. I'm talking about the second annual podcast summit happening on July 4th and 5th in the content creation capital of the world. You already know, ATL, baby. Atlanta, Georgia, going down July 4th and 5th, two full days. Imagine this. Imagine you getting all the game you need to take your voice, your brand, your business to the next level. Imagine getting all the insider tips. Imagine getting all the know-how that you've been craving for the last two, three, four years where you're talking about you're going to start a podcast, but you haven't yet because you don't have the tools. You don't have the tips. You don't have the tricks. I don't care if you're just starting or you're a seasoned pro. This summit has something for everyone. Picture you mastering the basics of setting up your podcast or unlocking the secrets to grow your brand on social media. We're not just talking about podcasting here. I'm talking about you want to build a long form catalog, whether it's skits, movies. We got people talking about script writing. This is an incredible experience. Imagine, imagine discovering the art of securing these lucrative sponsorship deals. And that's not all. Learn the ropes of creating a pitch deck that has sponsors knocking down your door. But wait, 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 wait. There's more. This isn't just a summit. This is an experience. I'm telling you. Rub shoulders with industry leaders. And you got to network with other people that are doing what you're doing. All the guests that have ever been on Social Proof Podcast, I'm giving them a free ticket. And in exchange, they promise me that they're going to sit down and do short interviews with you. We got podcast booths for our VIP members where you can sit down, pull somebody to a side, and you're going to create content in real time. I know what you're thinking. How do I get a part of this podcasting paradise? Well, it's simple. All you have to do is head over to podcastsummit.com, grab your tickets now, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because I have something really, really special for you. I got a little treat for my early birds, people who take action. The next 20 listeners and only 20 listeners who get your tickets right now, okay? I'm not only going to give you 20% off of whatever ticket level you get, you get 20% off, but if you use the promo code Big Deal. It'll take 20% off immediately, but I'm also going to allow the first 20 people to listen to this right now to be able to bring a friend, bring a teammate, bring a partner for absolutely free. You get general admission, they get general admission. You get VIP, they get VIP. Whatever ticket level you purchase, you get to bring a friend, partner, colleague, boo thing for absolutely free. Nothing extra required. My team's going to reach out to you, get your partner's name, or if you don't have the person you... No, right now, yet you got time, no pressure, you get us back. But use that code big deal that triggers to let us know you get to bring someone for free. So don't wait. So secure your spot at the number one podcast education summit in the country. Join us July 4th and 5th in Atlanta. Let's turn your podcast dreams into a reality, y'all. Head over to podcastsummit.com. Use promo code big deal at checkout and get your tickets now don't miss out on the opportunity to take your podcast to new heights take your brand to new heights take your business to new heights with this unprecedented offer okay i'll see you at the summit and don't forget to use promo code big deal who's next like who do you have like and tell me why because i think as entrepreneurs are watching this there's certain qualities that you're like you're you're talking about, especially when it comes to Jack or Uzi, and I'm sure you like you see something, and it gives people hope to know like, yo, I ain't got the following, but I got all the other stuff, right? And I and I'd imagine if they have all the other stuff, you know what to do with them. 
Like, yep. you know, if you got that that conviction, you're willing to work, you are actually talented. Yep. We can build the numbers, right? Who like on your your label is next, or who do you see something about? Uh, so we got this kid named Seti, and like I said, part of this, uh, part of doing this is knowing how to not overlook most of the time. And sometimes we miss with a couple artists because that's not where, uh, where we think we should be. You know what I'm saying? Um, but think about somebody like Seti. His whole thing was, and he tells his story, is that he got out of jail and decided that he ain't want to let life no more. You know what I mean? And he was a bright kid, but he came to Atlanta and snuck in our studio and was acting like an intern. What? And we didn't know because we don't know who's being hired or, you know. So the organization is different. We got people that put this together. But for him, he was coming every day to the studio like he was an intern. <laughs> and just being what? in there. And nobody questioned it because he wasn't, it wasn't like a sore thumb. He was like, yo, what's dude doing here? He looked kind of sketchy. Is that he just looked like, you know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> he was moving around. And one day he just... He told Drum, I guess, that he was going to be something. And then my guy, Willie Joe, uh, was like, yo, is this kid in here? He dope. I'm going to get it together first. Mm. I'm going to bring it to you. And then he, he was just standing there humble. And I was like, you got fired? He's like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I was like, man, he's saying, yes, sir. Is that a South thing? Or is he like, <laughs> he being on some humble? So we, we built, we built, we built. By the time he was ready to present, he had the whole play. And we found out he was sneaking in the studio. It was like, that was his, that was a different way to win. You see what I'm saying? Everybody got, they tapped this. But he was so convinced that he was going to sign to us that he went to those measures. Man. To be, he was in people's rooms. Like, he was in rooms with people. And people just thought, <laughs> oh, he's canning them homies. Bring them on there. You know what I mean? He was in sessions with Uzi. He was a, he just moving around. <laughs> and it worked out for him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? so that's all the that's other stuff the, you need exactly so he was the one who's next we got Kluminati which is you know we found her at 18 years old she's dope she's always had a good following on YouTube just rapping uh, we're building her right now in uh, Carvina which is the new R&B act that we have this phenomenal great singer she's been on the floor before years ago um, this is another person that never got a chance because people you know uh, turning their backs yeah and uh, I think that we can do something with it. Yeah. So um, you've like dominated, even in the music industry, one your whole life, but actually in the industry for seems what seems like a couple of decades, man. Almost. So if we if we're gonna mark fifteen as like our actual date, mm-hmm. we're in we're seventeen years in. <sighs> you want to add twenty because we started mixtapes in two thousand one. Yeah. Uh, add another four years. Right. Make it a clean 21. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But uh yeah, I mean, we built what we're doing now, we built in 2002. Like we had a mixtape yeah. called Generation Now, and the artist we broke was Kanye, Joe Buttons, and Stat Quo. Word. Signed to, you know, Eminem. And then we did another one, which we had Corey Guns, Jay Mills. Like mm-hmm. that's where it started. And we're just using the same patterns yeah. over and over again just to, you know, to build today. So like you want to give it 21 years? I give it 21. That's I say amazing. 2005 because that's where it was like dedication. Right, was, right. You know what I'm saying? It was like, okay, they arrived. Yeah. So I sometimes I stay there. Some some drum takes it back to 98, 99, only because 
he was already doing it then. Yeah, he was sure. around most deaf and Talib and them. Wow. So he was already professionally DJing in them in them spaces. So yeah. you can give him a cool 25, 20, right. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, right. 26. But now you have, um, you've been in music for a while. And typically when you're in an industry, you kind of make your money and your moves in the industry. But you got an app now, which I thought was so dope. Did y'all download it? Did y'all download that? Yes. Download the app. Yo, sooner or later. See, There's I'm no telling purchase. y'all, don't try to jump on later. All right. <laughs> TMRO. Yep. It's called Tomorrow. So our initial idea <clears throat> was to get paid fastest tomorrow. So again, you know, a lot of create. So first of all, the app is a creative marketplace mm-hmm. um, where you can go in there and get jobs. Um, we started out early. It was all creatives. And as I was moving around, educating people on what it was, I got all the Everything was music. Yeah. Yo, I'm doing music. How can I? So I'm like, home. how can we kind of like hone in on the music part? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, again, where I'm going to A3C, I'm going to these big events and I'm speaking on panels. And the one thing at the end when they say, hey, we're going to have some questions, people come to the podium. It's 20 people at the podium. 15 of them are like, yo, how I get on? Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out, you know, my kickback is, what do you have? Yeah. Well, I don't have a producer yet. And I don't have, you know, people to do my content. I don't have these things yet. So what I was doing, I was like, oh, okay, let's let's bottle all that up to where our artists can get on the tomorrow app, find a producer, find a mixer, find a master engineer, photographer. Mm-hmm. Everything. I see everything. And now we're moving into like we have a beat store, which people are soon will be able to sell beats and a song store where people will be able to sell songs. And just making a community without social. And I think that sometimes when you're in a social media presence like an IG, you got to go through a whole bunch of webs to really get where you where you want to go. So, you know, we could be busting it up on a DM. You could be like, yo, listen, I got this show and I want to do this. this. We got to go through a whole bunch of talking yeah. instead of saying, yo, I need a producer. Yeah, I, I need see, a beat. I see <laughs> you know what music, so the services are music producer, songwriter, Singer, vocals, you can just find a, a vocalist. Like, where'd you? Yeah. That's crazy because you, you think players on there. And, and you know, I'm in, in the later updates, you know, we're looking in the font, putting marketing people, makeup on there. artists, wardrobe stylists, yeah. all in lawyers, one. Lawyers, any anything we could possibly help to get people there. Like, I never thought there was a problem getting your music to the outlets, the DSPs, which is the digital service providers or whatever. And that's Apple, Spotify, and all these things. I never thought it was hard because you have United Masters doing it. You have DistroKid. You got Empire. I didn't think that was a pressure point. The pressure point is when I go to Huntsville, Alabama, and people run up on me, it's like, I don't know what to do. Yeah, A lot of people have producers, but they don't know how to get people to come film them. Or, you know, in the later parts of that app, like I said, people to help them with marketing. Entertainment lawyer. It's like a lot of stuff that, you know, we go to places... People have no idea. The big cities are almost, almost there, 80% there with knowing what to do. Mm. A lot of places I've traveled all over the world just just don't know that people just want to get into. So is this your app? Do you have partners? Yeah, so my my partner is my fiance. Oh, wow. And um, we we built this app. It's actually her idea, how she puts it as... um, she had some friends that were wardrobe stylists, but they couldn't keep jobs. So they had to DoorDash to make ends meet. And we were like, yo, what's the DoorDash for stylists? You know what I'm yeah. saying? What's the, what's the, you know, thumbtack for this? And that's how the idea came up. 
and we kind of embellished it into the music industry because, you know, a lot of people want to be in that space. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's and like it works for clean me. too. I appreciate it. How um, how much do you think you put into this app? Uh, seven hundred fifty thousand, maybe. Yeah. Well, it looks like it yeah. for sure. <laughs> so about completely bootstrapped, no, no, no um investors, nothing, and that's how passionate we are about it. Um, we took time to you know put the chains up and all the exotic stuff yeah. to put it into something that helped the community and just build like a unicorn. I really think this is something that people need. And um, the app was a great investment for me. You know, I, I could have ran around and invested in a bunch of silly stuff or whatever, but I, I invested in this. It started out, you know, doing the actual uh, MVP of it, which is, you know, your proof of the you yeah. know uh, app. And it started at like 250. Mm-hmm. And but then you have to add maintenance. You have to um, you gotta you know keep changing things. Uh, you gotta pay for new updates, color mm-hmm. changes, mm-hmm. and stuff to go around it. We started out um, after we built it. I actually the crowdfunding program was Start Engine to get people from the community involved in it. Like mm-hmm. I wanted you know when you have like where I'm at. You got people around that we all know. Everybody's going to say, yo, how can I get, I want to invest in the app. I want to do things. A lot of people don't have a certain amount of money to invest. So we made it at a level where you can get some shares for 200, as low as $250 and mm. be a part of this situation. And during the pandemic where people didn't have, they didn't know where the world was going. They're yeah. like, let me find something to invest in. For sure. You know what I mean? And we put it out there for that whole year to do it. Isaac Hayes was mm-hmm. one of the people who did it first. And he just schooled me on it. Like, bro, get the community involved. You know what I mean? Yeah. Him and Dawn Dixon, she was <clears throat> another one. Shout out to her. Shout out to Dawn. Um, two smart individuals, bro. They just on another another level with it. Yeah, yeah Dawn expand my mind so much, bro. Like, she yeah. she really is brilliant. And she, she she's think so big bro like like the stuff i'm not even thinking about i'm like oh yeah so i was telling her i was, I was building this studio and she was like yo i mean why not 10 yep and i started asking myself yeah why not 10 <laughs> and then we just like we just opened this joint and i started thinking yo we're gonna need like more space we're gonna need more but before i even opened dawn saw something else you got to be around those people man. yeah like even with dawn like i've known dawn for years we all came up she was at the clubs she was pushing the flat, um, flat out hills, hills out yeah. in the street. Just being, just knowing her for so long, even t- when we moved into the space of trying to learn, because she was here already, I never once was like, yo, I need a favor. Teach me. Mm. First thing I did was I hit her up and I paid her. Mm. She had something called, I think it was called Super Seed or something like that, where you could actually get on a conversation for 30 minutes with a mentor to talk. I never had one problem, you know, a lot of us out here like, I know you're going to charge me. I was never in there. I was like, yes, I want to learn. So after that initial space came in, we knew we was friends. She continued to, yo, check in. Yo, you yeah. good? What's new? How y'all doing? You need any help? Da, da, da. And the same thing with Isaac. Like me and Isaac had debates for years on music. You know what I mean? He, he's coming from a different space than me. He came from Isaac Hayes. The lineage is different. You know what I'm saying? For so sure. For he's, sure. He knows things before... A lot of these people coming up, you know, yeah. based on his father and what his father did. So talking to him and him being on the next level with it helped me understand tech and 
other things. He's talking. He's he's doing things that I don't have time to do. Like I'm making beats and yeah. producing artists. He's in books and on crunch base, looking at numbers and understanding uh, C rounds and, and yeah. all that stuff. So to be able to have that type of um, brotherhood to where I can reach out and be like, yo, what you think? Yeah, <laughs> you know, for sure, be doing sure. this. Did I get this person to help me? Or, you know what I'm saying? All that stuff is is good stuff, man. Good, bro. Yo, so what is and and when I see when I see like an app like this, my thought is because it's based on a bunch of people that do a bunch of stuff, and then you got to get the people to download it, like the people that are gonna like consume the stuff that people have on the app. Mm-hmm. It's almost like what comes first, chicken or the egg? Do you find you fill the app up with services first, or do you try to get the adopters first, or is it you just put the message out there and hopefully it just kind of does? Yeah. Oh. So some people are so convicted. It started with me just moving around. People are like, yo, how I get on? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I was like, this is how you get on, right? So but say then, I'm an artist and I need a videographer. If you don't have a videographer on the app, then it's like, all right, yeah, download it. We'll have some stuff coming next. Or, or if I'm a videographer. And you don't have people that, like, have the app. It's like, all right, I'm just on here now. No, so the thing is to get people on the app. So when you get in there, there's people for you. Mm-hmm. I would never invite somebody that's not on there. So, so you yeah, had I'm those conversations cool. first. Like, yo, you do something dope. I'll build the audience. Just just be here. Yep. And, it, you know, it's just not creative. It's client-based, too. So we could have somebody like, you know, Josh on that motherfucker. You know what I mean? Edited, like that out. You've been doing great. You've been doing great, though. He looking, he's looking at, you know, he looking to get somebody to film, you know, something. Mm-hmm. He can get on there and be a client. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He could, you know, anybody in here could be a client. Yeah. You don't have to be creative. But it was built for the creative. A lot yeah, of for creative. Sure. But, you know what I mean? You could be a client on that joint and and very well find everything you need. But yeah. we had to get people in there so you're not in there by yourself. Like, when I was on Instagram, I was finding people in there. I met, I was down there in Austin, Texas, for the um, South when by we South first got West. on Instagram? Yeah, and they was just running around the street with these, like, get on Instagram. So I was like, let me see what that is. I need some my time. It was just all It was nature. 500 people. 500 people. It was all nature. I remember being on there and being like, that's the end of it. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it was all like... Plants, like when TV used to go off. At plants, the end of that. animals, people's your perspective of what the building looked like. It was nothing. You know what I mean? So I know that's where it has to start, mm-hmm. but... We want to get people in there and have it, you know, a comfortable community for people yeah. to say, oh, it is stuff. Oh, he's dope. Oh, it's things in there. And just, you know, I pushed a part of the portfolio. So that's what engaged people at first. It's like, yo, if you're not going to find any jobs or be on it right now, at least build a portfolio on there. For that's sure. the first step. Sign up, build a portfolio so you can actually use it as a business card as well. Yeah. Oh, yo, here go my portfolio. Check me out. And it's the app. Yeah. So now you're seeing these portfolios and... Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. 
From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Um, and that's where you get engaged. I think it's important for people who have a service to probably be on there early because right now, Right now, you can go on there and you can find a songwriter and all that. The people that we're going to hit up are the ones that we see. That's you know right. what I mean? Like, right. I think that's important. And I think it's pretty cool, too. As a consumer, if I'm looking for, let's say, a songwriter, like, you know, I got this, this idea in my head. I just want this. I have this idea of a song. It's important to, like, reach out to these people because it's like... I. It's not It's not a whole lot of people. It's not 100,000 people in that joint yet right. hitting them up causing them to change their prices. So I think it's important that we both, <laughs> like right. consumers and like service providers, now is a really, really good time to get and, started. And it's good for protection. Like you think about somebody like Wallow, he hit me like, yo, I seen this app. They told me he was involved. Man, what? Like, I'm going to get into it real quick. I said, all right, cool. Call me. Call. He's like, bro, listen, man, I'll be running around Philadelphia looking for videographers and, you know, just looking it's to crazy. pay somebody. That's exactly how Wallow you know sounds too. Yo, and it, it, it just, it just, you know, this just relieve a lot of pain for me, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, where? He was like, we talking about it. And I run him through the app and I tell him, yo, one of the most important things for us too, as clients looking for people, is that um when you're in the app, you're paying through there. So when you're when you when you're selected for a job, that money goes into like a kind of an escrow thing. Mm. And um when you're in there and you press job done, the money goes. God, you know gosh, what I'm saying? So yeah, it's like not like I don't have to chase too. you around for your money. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't, you know, all that stuff you be like, yo, I sent your invoice through the DMs, you get it? And like, yeah, oh, people don't there. get paid. Yeah. Like all that we're trying to eliminate, bro. That money's sitting there. When that job is done, it's going in your account. You know, we use Stripe. So it's like, you know, you set up your account, and, you know, it's just ready. That's why I say get paid, get paid early tomorrow. As soon as they press done, that money in your account. You ain't got to chase nobody. Mm. You ain't got to wait for no 90-day net. Yeah, yeah, 30s, yeah. 10, 60s, gracious. you know what I'm saying? Jumping in the tech space, man. That's that's huge. Bro, I mean, I always and this been is like this is this is good. It's not like a whole lot of like loading and buffering. That's what I'm saying. Well, you put about 750 in this <laughs> Hey, I'm looking for investors. If you want to invest, get with me. So you, so you're taking investors now? Yeah, we're starting to uh we're starting to open it up a little bit for the investors. I mean, you know. It seems like you already have connections to people who would invest. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I do. The, the toughest thing is education. Again, education, period, is the worst thing. If you're a teacher in high school, educating kids is the hardest thing to do. Mm -hmm. And you're moving into entrepreneurship, just convincing people that this is the next unicorn and this is the next business, yeah. it's hard to do. You're going to run into bumps where you can do as many of these that you want, mm -hmm. but then you ask somebody, hey, I want to build, I want to take this whole lot and do the same thing all the way down. It's going to be hard for you to convince people to do it. Mm -hmm. Some people going to be in, some people not. It's just what it is. So the continued education of it and being a space where you have those people is tougher than people think. Like, you know, I'm going in right now. Uh, one of my toughest things is uh, we don't have an Android version yet. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, Android version costs as much to build as the original because oh. it's two different setups. Damn. And, um, you know, that's something that, you know, I will throw out another yeah. 300 quarter million dollars, but I would love for people to be involved um, and just, and you know, use people's resources as well. Like uh, investors is not about taking money and just being, it's about their leverage and what they got going on as well to yeah. help the business grow. That was my, that was my yeah. next question between an investor and are you looking for partners as well? I, lo- I would love the partnership because um, you're able to, you know, it's just like when rap, when, when we put out a mixtape, one of the things we did was in Atlanta is a melting pot again. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people from Milwaukee, Detroit, Phoenix, wherever you're from, right? In Atlanta. When we was doing our tapes, we was giving them to people. When they went back home from school, they went back to their prospective cities. And now 10 of their friends, 15 of their friends heard the tape. Yeah. And now the whole city's going on fire because they want more of the tapes. So the same thing goes on with the investors. It's like, we want people that can talk to, I don't know Steve Harvey. I don't know Tyler Perry. Yeah. Can we invest in people that have a strong relationship with, you know, Wendy Williams or whatever? to can get us in those spaces to help, you know, educate people that's where they're supposed to be. So that's that's important as well. Yeah. So not podcasters. I'm, yeah. Okay. I actually want podcasters on it because artists artists need that. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Sure. Um, no, nah, I want to be. A, I want to be. An, I want to be a partner. You know what I mean? Like, homie, I got. I got. I got oh, listen, you're in, bro. You're in. <laughs> Don't even worry about it. Don't even worry about it. You in? You're, I you're, love you're, it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, yo, I, we talked about a lot today. Yeah. Anything we, we miss? We miss anything? Um. Nah. We just we talked about everything. Shout out to Infamous because that's the first person I've seen you with. He was, you know, he grinded with Infamous from the jump. Yes. You know when we first, when we seen each other at the Vest Fest. I was about to, I was trying to convince because, you know, when we're in a space mm-hmm. and people are like, they're looking at you like, oh, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's Dave. <laughs> I'm like, listen, let me tell you about the history. First thing you said was, yo, yo, save it for the podcast. <laughs> I was like, all right, I'll save it for the podcast. But Absolutely, you know, the history is different. Like watching people's come ups, like it's the uh, observing is, you know, it's good to see this space like this, man. Well, you know thank I mean? you, man. I was, yeah. I was actually, when I first like got to, know y'all and I was like just trying to get into the office I came to the office one time and I was just floored I'm just like super nervous because I'm like I see these guys these are like bigger than life to me but I was still I was working at the Cheesecake Factory when I, I remember that I remember when you bought you I thought it was a black tie. it was a, it was some color Tahoe I remember because yeah. we were outside and you pulled up and it was like oh you got a new truck and you're like yeah I got a little something <laughs> I didn't know that was like one of six yeah you know? I remember I remember the Cheesecake Factory so like mm-hmm. all that when you watched the grind it was like you really never really told anybody anything. Like you came to our, you know, our spot and was like, look, I'm going to be this. I'm going to do this. It was just you seeing the movement. Like you just seen Sleep for Suckers everywhere. And I was like, oh, that's my man. Yes, like, yes, he's going crazy right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's good to see the space, you know what I mean? And just, you know, and give hope for all the young folks out there to kind of like, you know, see the movement and, and move forward. Absolutely. Dreams. That's why, that's why I was kind of talking about your backstory because there's some people that think you're just... You just like if you're talented, you just jump in, you get an opportunity. But yo, you've been doing it. You got to put the time in. You got to be patient. And I want to tell know? people, man, all this lying that people doing when they be like, "Yo, I ain't no rapper. I'm a hustler," or, or "I ain't," I, you know, this came easy. None of this came easy, bro. A lot of these people <laughs> worked hard for every situation, bro. Yeah. Y'all didn't have to be in the position that I was in to win, but just know the grind and know it's parallel with his grind. Like 
like having a kiosk and, you know, that's not the easiest thing to deal with every day. People walking by and people not being ignorant because they don't want to buy your shirt or the same thing with us when we trying to, you know, push out music and people like, man, I don't want to hear that. You know what I mean? It's not the easiest thing. All that stuff builds up to your 10,000 10, hours to get where you're supposed to go. Yes, sir. Y'all got to ask this last question. Um, I want to know, and especially, I, I think gonna, you'll have a good answer for this because you are a visionary. Uh, where do you see yourself in the next five years? What do you see yourself accomplishing in the next five years? Because I want to be able to say, I sat down with you five years ago Dope. and say, yo, Don, he said, he said he was going to exit that joint for a billion dollars five years ago. I got the take. <laughs> five years from now. Yeah, so that's one of them. Uh, my five-year uh, exit strategy is to make this a unicorn app, you know, and make it one of those joints. I'm not necessarily always sold on having it sold, but of course they'll throw anything at you to get it. Yeah. Um, but this was a hub that we built and we live by. And then just in music, I just want to continue to help artists. Um, it might not be at the level of me being in the studio with all of them, but it may be just something where you come and we sit and talk for two hours and you get on the right track to where you're supposed to get. That's where I'm most passionate now about. I did a lot of things. Um, I still want to produce, you know, some records, but I'm definitely not into, like, the hustle and bustle of it again. Like, I'm, I'm really trying to get home, go to bed at a good time, get up, work out, handle business meet with people and call out a day. Like, I really don't want to, you know, I don't have these super things that I want to do as of, but in five years, it's going to be one of the biggest apps out. You know what I mean? I love it. I love it. Look, man, Don, I appreciate you coming through, man. Yo, but your manager, that was your manager, Abdul? No, Abdul works with us on the app. So Abdul is really the person that's handling the content along with Diego and um, a kid named Jordan. They're handling that. Okay, Uh, I'm still self-managed, but I learned a lot, so I'm able to uh, put people in position to handle certain things for me and trust it. So Yeah, yeah. when I see him at investor, he's like, yo, man, I watch your podcast. I'm like, thank you, stand next to you. He's like, yo, can we get Don on the pot? Can you get Don on the pot? Of <laughs> That's what I was trying to tell him. Like, listen, this is my man, bro. You really don't have to ask him. <laughs> well, I was like, yo, I was about to ask you. Like, yo, should I get Don on the podcast? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, shout out to Abdul, man. But yeah. um, no, nah, this was like, this conversation was like, inspirational and motivational for me and like literally i like i can't wait for this to be over because i got like i have some calls to make you know like there's some plans and i need to see the next big venues because i'm going to set up as a podcaster i'm not selling t-shirts i might sell some t-shirts but it's going to be a podcasting studio you gotta do you gotta do it all bro you gotta (laughs) do it all because you never know what people are looking for you know what i mean you do this and they may come and like yo i want to go back home to dc with this shirt on yeah you know what I mean? Based on the experience you had at the kiosk. That's it. I wanted to feel smart. Like, when we was at the Invest Fest. Like, I wanted to have on assets over liabilities. Yeah. I wanted to be like, look, y'all, mm-hmm. I know y'all looking at me as the music staple, but yeah. I'm actually, I really know what's going on. Yeah. So, you know, it's it, it's those things. Hopefully, I'll get some t-shirts 100%. from you. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You know what Absolutely. I mean? And I can move around and just show the alliance. You know? Especially because we're going to be business partners. Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. We good. For sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, appreciate you, man. Um, let everybody know how they can support you and just like close us out with a word of wisdom, man. Just try to put a bow on this whole conversation for somebody that's out there that um, that they have an extreme talent, but it just hasn't happened yet. But let everybody know how they can find you and close us out. Yeah, you can find me on all the socials. It's Don Cannon, evenly, D-O-N-C-A-N-N-O-N. Uh, I'm on a Tomorrow app looking for uh, portfolios. We're doing contests every now and then. 
um, for any artists out there, any You say you're looking for portfolios. What do you mean? So when I was saying that, when I was getting people to sign up and having the portfolios, mm-hmm. I'm actually on there looking at people's work. Oh, word. Yeah, so that's where I go. I don't go to Instagram and look for work. I look on the app because that's it's dumb. isolated. That's I don't dumb. have to go to you on a beach. Yeah. And then the next day, <laughs> I see you photographer. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm right. This is strictly that. Yeah. Um, the words of wisdom for anybody trying to make it, man. Uh, pay attention to your grind and just work hard for it. I know that people say work hard every day, but it, pay attention to your grind. Uh, one of the things I have in the crib, uh, me and my fiance share, we share like a Coca-Cola bottle. And every week we uh, we write down on a sheet of paper, ball it up and put it in a Coke bottle. So at the wow. end of the year, we understand what we did each week. And that's like wow. the gratitude of, you know, the grind. And that's one thing that we, we didn't get to pay attention to earlier because we didn't have like the the thought process to really run through it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now I'm looking back as we spoke on here, everything is vivid because I'm I'm actually paying attention to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's 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 what I say. Pay attention to your grind and just be grateful of, of what you're doing and why you're here. And you know, you'll make it sooner or later. There we have it. Look, man, make sure you, make sure you go follow Don Cannon, man. Do yourself a favor, support the business, download the app, see what's going on. You can find what you need in there. And lastly, go get you some social proof, meaning go build something really, yes, really sir. big, but come back to your community and teach them how you did it. All right, we out of here. Peace. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.